This is a CNA podcast. Hello and welcome. I'm sure you've heard the expression, there are two sides to every story. But on this episode of CNA Correspondent, you're going to hear a story where there are three. It involves a maverick politician, a threat to territorial integrity, a push for democracy, the world's two bigger superpowers, and an island caught in the middle. I'm talking about the United States of America, China, and Taiwan. To help tell this story, you'll be hearing from CNA's correspondents on the ground. But first, here's what's caused this latest flare-up. U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has arrived in Taiwan, setting the stage for a showdown with China. Beijing quick to condemn her trip, saying it seriously damages peace and stability in the Taiwan Strait. But Ms. Pelosi is sending a clear message to China that her visit honors America's unwavering commitment to support Taiwan's democracy. Why did Nancy Pelosi make this trip? How has China responded? What does Taiwan want out of it? And what are the narratives that each of them will be pushing following the trip? To help you understand these head scratches, I'm joined by CNA's correspondents in Washington, Nick Harper. Hello. Beijing, Olivia Xiong. Hi, Steve. And Taipei, Victoria Jen. Hi, good to be here. Nick, let's start with the protagonist of this story, Nancy Pelosi, with tensions between the US and China at a seemingly all-time high across a multitude of arenas. Why did the House Speaker make this trip to Taiwan? And why did it cause such a split in Washington? Very simply, Steve, I think she went because she wanted to. It has been a long-held ambition of Nancy Pelosi. She, perhaps more than any other recent US politician, has consistently been critical of China. And on the flip side, consistently supportive of Taiwan. The way that she sees it, going to Taiwan during her career, it is the feather in the cap. It's the capstone of her career. She is 82 years old and she's likely to lose her position as Speaker of the House in November's midterm election. So really, this was her moment to go. And remember, she had planned to make this trip earlier in the year, back in April, but then got COVID and had to delay the trip. Officially, of course, she's saying the reason she went was all about showing support for Taiwan. It's about reaffirming that US commitment to the island, and it's about upholding the American ideal, as represented in Taiwan, of democracy. But the White House knows that this was not part of a unified plan dreamt up by President Biden to stand up to China. Simply put, she didn't have the president's backing to go. It was plain and simple, all about Nancy Pelosi doing what she wanted to do. And it has been reported here that officials in the White House were fuming that they had spent several weeks trying behind the scenes uh, to dissuade her from glowing. So not a pre-planned Biden offensive on Beijing. And I think that's why we've seen the White House, especially in the lead up to the trip, saying that this was not about seeking any escalation, trying to minimize the tension that this trip ended up causing. And Olivia, throughout the build-up to Pelosi's visit, China vehemently opposed it, saying the U.S. was playing with fire. Now that it's happened, what are they saying? And importantly, what are they doing? 
Well, I think the signal from China is very clear that even though Ms. Pelosi has now left Taiwan, the ripple effects of this controversial visit are still going to be felt, regardless of what the US has said, as Nick has mentioned there, about its policy towards Taiwan being unchanged or this trip being about supporting democracy. China sees this trip bottom line as provocation and infringement of its sovereignty and emboldening the Taiwan independence forces, as it has put it. China says that this has had a severe impact on the political foundation of China-US relations based on the One China policy. And there have certainly been strong words. We heard the Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi calling the visit a farce, saying that those who offend China will be punished. And China has said that it will take countermeasures, which it says are justified, they will be strong, resolute, and we have already seen them make a series of moves. And China announced the start of military drills on the night. Ms. Pelosi arrived in Taiwan with more live fire exercises, including missile tests set for six areas around Taiwan from Thursday to Sunday. Military drills near Taiwan, we have to know that's common for the Chinese military, but this is different. This is unprecedented. We're talking about the Chinese military encircling the Taiwan island, effectively creating a blockade of sorts. This is a larger scale compared to the 1996 Taiwan Straits crisis, operating really close to Taiwan's coast, within 20 kilometers. And the suggestion is that we could see missiles flying over Taiwan. The signal, according to observers quoted in Chinese media, is that China could effectively blockade Taiwan if it wanted to and take it by force if it needed to. And not just on the military front, we've also seen economic sessions being put in place, China halting its exports of natural sand, which is important for construction and production of chips, as well as the imports of some fruits and fish. So a lot happening and very likely we will see more to come. And Victoria, Taiwan, no stranger to being caught in the middle like this. What was it hoping to achieve by hosting Ms. Pelosi's visit? Well, it's hoping to leverage on stronger U.S. support to deter Chinese military threat against the island, especially now that cross-strait relations are at their lowest point. It's a sharp contrast to the Ma Ying-jeou administration of Kuomintang. Cross-strait ties were at their peak when Chinese President Xi Jinping and Ma Ying-jeou met in 2015 in Singapore. But relations went south after President Tsai Ing-wen from the pro-independence Democratic Progressive Party came to power in 2016. Her refusal to accept the one-China principle infuriated Beijing, which cut off all official exchanges with Taiwan. And using Hong Kong's anti-government protests as an example, President Tsai secured a second term by leveraging on the threat of one country, two systems model. She said reunification with the mainland under the model would destroy the island's democracy. So every time China makes a retaliatory move against Taiwan, Tsai will capitalize on it to drum up the China threat in order to legitimize the DPP's rule. Let's not forget that there is a local election in November, and Pelosi's visit provides a great opportunity for Tsai to repeat the trick to win the vote. Yeah, that's something to keep in mind, not just in Taipei, but in Washington as well. We'll get to that with Nick a bit later, perhaps. Uh, You've each heard each other's answers and you know all the background and you've seen Pelosi's visit play out as we all have. I'm going to ask each of you how Pelosi's trip is being spun in the corridors of power in Washington, Beijing and Taipei. Nick. 
Well, here in Washington, if you're on Team Pelosi, I mean, this is a big win and that's how they're spinning it. And I think when the dust settles and if there's no major provocation or retaliation from Beijing, then the Biden administration will probably spin it as a win as well. They just haven't really done so yet because they weren't fully supportive of the trip in the first place. And I think it has shown, though, that America is not afraid to stand up to China. It has shown that America doesn't back down or capitulate just because Beijing says that it should. And again, America has shown that it supports Taiwan. Now, if you're a Republican, and I think this is rather surprising here, Republicans have been spinning this as a win for a Democrat who visited the island. They've agreed that Pelosi should have gone. We had 26 Republican senators writing this public letter supporting the visit, something that you wouldn't normally see. So Republicans see it as a win. But I think, of course, if this trip ends up being the proverbial straw that breaks the camel's back, if it completely destroys relations with China or or it leads to an invasion, like Olivia was talking about just now, then I think Democrats and Republicans will rethink their answer. And suddenly the president and the Republicans, they have a very easy scapegoat in the form of Nancy Pelosi to blame for killing off relations between Washington and Beijing. So at the moment, Pelosi, yes, she's the winner, but she could easily become the loser in this whole scenario. And Olivia, for China's point of view, they were very adamant that they didn't want this to go ahead and that they would do whatever they could to sort of stop it. Or what are they saying now that it's happened? Well, I think China's official diplomatic answer would be that no one wins because the trip is seen as infringing on China's sovereignty, it's damaged China-US ties, cross-strait tensions are at its highest in decades. At the same time, though, we have to note that China is saying that it will not be bullied and it can stand up to the US. So if we were to talk about crisis being an opportunity, some observers have interestingly told me that perhaps the biggest winner in this may be Chinese President Xi Jinping. This coming ahead of the twice-a-decade party congress in the fall, where he's more than likely to be granted an unprecedented third term in office. And it perhaps has been an opportunity for him to really show his leadership in handling this superpower relationship and rivalry, very mindful that China cannot appear weak. If you recall, ahead of Ms. Pelosi's speculated visit, he had that phone call with his US counterpart, Joe Biden, in which he made very clear in the Chinese foreign ministry readout, it said that Mr. C told Mr. Biden that anyone who plays with fire over Taiwan will perish by it. But also, analysts are telling me that Mr. C would be very mindful of not taking things too far because a war would not serve the interests of China that would risk a stability in the country. It would not serve the national interest. So some might say it's a win in terms of opportunity for President C, but the report card, that's a little bit more complicated. And Victoria, for domestic politics and Tsai Ing-wen in particular, how is she spinning this? Well, I'm afraid there is no real winners here. President Tsai and her party might gain a strong foothold in local politics, but Taiwan's businesses are suffering. As Olivia has mentioned, that China began to impose trade sanctions against the island from Monday. First, it banned over 100 food imports from Taiwan, and then on Wednesday, it suspended Taiwan's imports of citrus fruits and two types of fish. Now, analysts expect that more trade sanctions will be imposed after Pelosi's visit. And this can really hurt Taiwan's economy, since China is Taiwan's biggest market, accounting for more than 40 percent of the island's total exports. And not to mention that all the Taiwanese businesses in China, which could also face retaliatory actions from Beijing. So as more businesses suffer, it would pose a challenge to the Thai administration. 
All right, thanks, guys. Now, still ahead on CNA Correspondent, you'll hear where this story is likely to go from here. And you'll get a sense of what people in the U.S., China, and Taiwan think about the political back and forth between the two superpowers over Taiwan. Hi, my name is Sarah Alcaldi, and I'm the host of a new podcast called Money Talks. Yes, we will be talking about money, but more than that, we'll also be talking about life, personal choices, lucky breaks, and how money is the thread running through it all. So look out for our episodes wherever you get your podcasts. You're with me, Steve Lai, on CNA Correspondent, along with Nick Harper, Olivia Seong, and Victoria Jen. Next for you to consider in this three-sided story is how Pelosi's visit is being perceived and where it's headed next. And don't forget to keep in your mind that these events are unfolding with the battle for democracy, sovereignty, and self-determination looming in the background. But first, take a listen to the thoughts of residents we've been speaking to in Beijing and Taiwan, respectively, in the build-up to the House Speaker's visit. First, you'll hear from a 38-year-old Beijing resident that works in the motor industry, and then from a 70-year-old retired resident in Taipei. No matter how you look at this, they're really just using it as a gimmick, right? Now, if this actually happens, our country would oppose it or whatever. But if the U.S. will really do it or not, this also remains an unknown. I think she's coming to Taiwan for her elections. She wants to gain attention and express that she stands on the side of democracy and freedom to oppose the Chinese Communist Party. But the main purpose is to fight against China. What do you think? A good understanding of the politics at play? And a healthy dose of cynicism as well? Eyebrows raised for sure. Victoria, I'll come to you first for this next round of questions. How has this story played out in Taiwan and what is the sense you get from the ground as to the importance of these events for the island? There has been an unprecedented level of media frenzy over Pelosi's visit. All the media were waiting at the airport before her arrival. And afterwards, they were stalking her at her hotel and following her everywhere and reporting on her every move. Even the dress she was wearing had become a story for some media. I'm just surprised that they didn't report on what she had for breakfast. Now, after all, she is the highest ranking U.S. official to visit Taiwan in 25 years. So it's definitely the biggest story here. While the DPP government certainly scored a victory over her visit, public opinions are rather divided. Of course, some welcome the visit and believe that her visit has brought the Taiwan-U.S. relations to a whole new level. But there are those who thought the visit was unnecessary. I spoke to some young Taiwanese who fear her visit could trigger military confrontation, and they say that they're not ready for war, especially the conscription here is only four months, which many say is not sufficient to counter a Chinese attack. And Olivia, for Beijing, U.S. action in Taiwan is seen as a threat to its sovereignty and one that it takes with the utmost seriousness. How has this story been reported in Beijing and what have been the reactions to it? Well, Steve, I think we could describe this as being really fast and furious 
quite literally. My phone had been buzzing nonstop with updates even prior to Miss Pelosi's arrival as speculation grew, especially as she touched down in Taiwan. Very quickly, numerous strongly worded statements condemning the visit were released by various Chinese departments, one after the other, developments not stopping overnight as the US ambassador to China was summoned. And that pace really continued throughout the day as Miss Pelosi's visit got underway. And Chinese state media and their narrative have reported on Miss Pelosi's trip but more so not really showing Ms. Pelosi in Taiwan so much, especially on the national broadcaster CCTV, but focusing much more so on the strong Chinese response to this controversial visit. We also saw the Chinese military releasing these highly stylized videos showcasing its military hardware, fighting capabilities with captions like, stand ready and fight, bury any enemy that comes, preparing for war, which garnered a lot of attention here. The other day as well, when I was at the Daily Foreign Ministry news briefing, some journalists were just commenting that it seems like no other news seems to matter right now besides Ms. Pelosi's trip. And the hour-long session with a spokesperson really dominated by questions on this. A side note, China fielded its spokesperson Hua Chunying these few days to answer questions about Ms. Pelosi's trip. She used to head the information department and after being promoted to assistant minister level, she rarely makes an appearance. The last time she did was when when Russia invaded Ukraine in February. So pointing to how significant this is to China, and in the days leading up to Ms. Pelosi's visit, I do remember having conversations here with locals about will she or won't she? Many thought it was unthinkable, giving you a sense of also how much interest there has been in this Chinese social media platform, Weibo, crashed briefly for half an hour, just as Ms. Pelosi's plane was to touch down in Taiwan, believed to be because of the sheer amount of discussion online, tracking her movements. And this visit has really brought out patriotism in many Chinese. There's the hashtag, only one China that's been used, and some who spoke out in anger about the trip, while some also were asking, has China done enough? Could it have done more to prevent Ms. Pelosi from actually landing in Taiwan? But on a lighter note, there was some humor in this. We also saw former editor-in-chief of the nationalist Global Times, Hu Zixing, saying in a tweet, has now been deleted, that the Chinese army had the right to quote, forcibly dispel Miss Pelosi's plane. Though in a perhaps a brief humorous moment online, some Chinese netizens decided to Photoshop a photo of him and Miss Pelosi in their younger days, turning them into this imaginary young couple that was circulating for a little bit. But certainly lots of attention and discussion about this here in China. You can always rely on the internet and social media to poke fun at these various events, can't you? That's right. Nick, more than anywhere else in Washington, the narrative of a story is always driving towards a purpose. But we did see some mixed messaging leading up to the visit. We've also seen some mixed messaging coming out of Pelosi's visit as well. The press secretary downplaying it as any other ordinary visit by a U.S. official. Also, it's been hailed as the highest ranking official to go to Taiwan and therefore it's of great significance. So they can't really have it both ways. We also heard some skepticism about midterm elections from the Taiwan resident as well that he suggested. So what's the narrative? here for the US. As we heard from that Taiwan resident a little while ago, a wonderfully cynical view. To some extent, I do agree with them on that. I think 
the midterms looking tough on China, that is part of the calculus for this trip. But is it fair to say that the US doesn't care about Taiwan? Well, no, probably not. And it's interesting to hear from Victoria just a moment ago about what the people in Taiwan are worried about this trip potentially creating. But I think at the same time, we have to remember that Taiwan is a very useful pawn for the United States in its game of standing up to China. It's the perfect example of democracy versus autocracy, that theme, that phrase that President Biden has come back to time and time again during his presidency. And from a foreign policy point of view, yes, it's a big win for the Democrats. It helps the Biden administration look tough on China, But I think there's a slight problem with that argument of this all being about the midterms, because simply put, when it comes to midterm elections, voters are very rarely thinking about foreign policy. It's really all about domestic issues. And this time round, especially with inflation at almost a 40 year high, it's all about the economy. A survey this week showed almost 75 percent of Americans now say inflation is a very important issue for them more than any other issue. So this trip doesn't exactly give a clear vote winner for the Democrats in terms of the midterm elections themselves. We've got about 30 seconds left for each of you on this next question. What's your biggest take from Nancy Pelosi's visit? And what would you like our listeners to know about the capitals that you cover, Washington, Beijing and Taipei, in relation to this story? Nick, why don't you go first? Well, Steve, I think as we've seen America over the last few years, it's become more and more politically divided. But there has been one issue that unites Democrats and Republicans, and that is the issue of China and standing up to China. I mean, that's not going to change. It's not going to change now. It won't change for the midterms. It won't change for the 2024 presidential election here. So I think we can expect more tough talk from both sides of the aisle. And I would say that that would still ring true whether or not Pelosi had taken this trip to Taiwan or not. Olivia? Yeah, I think I have to agree with Nate. And if we were to zoom out from this particular visit and look ahead for China, the key thing here is that Communist Party Congress, everything is gearing up towards this twice a decade meeting, likely in the fall. Very significant for President Xi and his expected third term, which means stability is prized. And China is facing other huge challenges, like with its economy, the impact of a zero COVID policy. So the China-US relationship and this issue with Taiwan has to be taken in this context. So internationally, like Nick said, this is important. China views Taiwan as part of Western efforts to try and contain it, but not forgetting that reunification for Taiwan has been considered part of China's national rejuvenation. Politically, on the domestic front, there is really a lot at stake as well. And for the last word, we'll go to Victoria. Yes, Taiwan is in between a rock and a hard place. And it's been that way since President Tsai and the DPP came to power in 2016. And it will continue to stay that way for some time. Nick, Olivia and Victoria, thank you for your time today. And most of all, thank you for listening. I hope I've been able to shed some light on what can be a complicated story and help you understand what's at play when big powers battle for dominance, not just through their actions, but through the narratives of those actions as well, and what it means for the smaller players that get caught up in the middle. Before I go, I'd like to let you know that there's more of CNA Correspondent at your fingertips. The TV version airs every Wednesday at 9.30pm Singapore Hong Kong time. You can also catch up with it whenever you like on cna.asia or our CNA app. And you can also like and subscribe to this podcast version so you don't miss any of our future episodes. Our podcast team is made up of Daniel Lee, Crispina Robert, Clara Ong, and me, Steve Lyon. Bye for now.